0: great to be with you. Over the summer we've been looking through the Psalms of Ascent in our series Songs to Return to. These were sung by pilgrims as they travelled up to Jerusalem to worship God together at religious festivals. Whilst these 15 psalms uh, share a common purpose, they all have different emphases. Psalm 122, which is the psalm we're going to be looking at today, focuses on a longing for peace which comes as God's people gather together to worship him. The truth is we live in a world that's desperate for peace. Students of history will remember in 1938 the British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain mistakenly declaring peace in our time after signing the Munich Agreement with Germany. The following year, World War II broke out. Not much has changed since then. Only last week I heard the Belarusian Prime Minister making threatening noises that World War III was just around the corner. Today, those living in Afghanistan are facing conflict and a very uncertain future. We're living in an increasingly broken and fractured world where lasting peace is elusive. In 1969, the Apollo 11 space mission landed on the moon and uh, the astronauts left a plaque on the moon which said this, We came in peace for all mankind. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were the first men to walk on the sea of tranquility. And yet the only, it was only tranquil and peaceful because no human had been there before. You see, the world's lack of peace is down to us. The problem is one of the human heart. And David, who wrote Psalm 122, knew that real peace was only possible through God himself. The Bible makes clear that he is the God of peace, who blesses his people with peace. Let's read Psalm 122 together from the Christian Standard Bible. I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city should be, solidly united. Where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for Israel. There thrones for judgment are placed. Thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Because of the house of the Lord of our God, I will pursue your prosperity. David describes God's people coming to meet God in Jerusalem, the house of the Lord. Jerusalem was where the tabernacle was located. The tabernacle was the tent where God had promised to meet with his people and live amongst his people. We read that in Exodus chapter 25. Jerusalem, the the name of the city, is linked to the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. And yet throughout its history, Jerusalem has constantly been fought over. I was there 15 years ago, and everywhere I turned, there were men armed with guns. Although Jerusalem may never have been a place of peace, the psalmist wants us to understand how God's people can experience the peace of God and know him as the God of peace. It starts with us worshipping together. It says in verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. There is something precious about God's people encouraging each other to come together to worship him. You see, back in the day, in David's day, drawing near to God wasn't easy. It was time-consuming. It was costly. There was every reason to stay at home. David doesn't criticise those who didn't make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But he celebrates meeting with those uh, who come with him to worship God together we can appreciate the challenge of this. It was Derek Kidner in his commentary on the Psalms. He said, what Jerusalem was to the Israelite, the church is to the Christian. You see, the church isn't a building, but it's a gathering of God's people. And over the last year, God has been reminding us that as we meet in twos or threes to worship him, that there he is in the midst of us. And even though some of us are struggling with anxiety that have been, uh, has been caused by COVID, God wants us, wants to encourage us to encourage one another to come together to worship him again. It's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us watch out For one another to provoke love and good works not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching we need to encourage one another to gather together again but it always starts with a decision This psalm reminds us that we need to encourage each other to come back to worship as one people, Hope Church. It promises that as we do this, there will be a release of joy as we are in the room together. Our passion for God is stirred as we encourage each other to worship. I don't know about you, but when I have someone saying to me, hey, are you going to come to this meeting when we're going to gather together as the church? We're going to worship together. There's something about that that is winsome and stirs me and provokes me. to think, actually, I was, wasn't sure whether I was going to, but yeah, now I'm going to be there. There's a sense of excitement as we stir one another up to meet with God. Phil Moore, a New Frontiers church leader, says this, David gets excited that he's within eyesight of the tabernacle. So we should not be any less excited about the church today. We must long for fellowship with others in our local church, sharing our lives very closely with them and seeing this as a matter of divine mandate rather than of personal preference. Over the next few weeks, as we start to wind down Hope Online as we're currently running it, we're going to uh, encourage one another and provoke one another to come back together to corporate worship just as we used to do. If we do this, we're going to find that there's strength in our togetherness. It says in verses 2 to 5, Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem, solidly united, where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Is David implying here that our personal worship of God isn't as meaningful. Is he saying that corporate worship is more meaningful? No, he's not saying that at all. The point is this, we can only truly worship God if we've actually personally encountered his love for ourselves. And we experience his love through an encounter with Jesus Christ and all that he did for us on the cross. When he gave himself for us, when he died in our place, that we might know God as a father. Listen to what Paul says. He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 15 and verse 17. This saying is trustworthy and full of acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. Paul recognised that he needed an encounter with God and this encounter with God then stirs him to break out in worship in verse 17. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen there is something powerful in our worship but there is something the psalmist is saying more powerful as we corporately gather together it's a sign the psalmist says of being solidly united i want you to imagine a brick wall if we uh, you were building a brick wall and you were just placing bricks one on top of the other it would look like a wall from a distance But if they're all lined up together, it would have no strength and you would be able to easily push it over. If you're gonna build a solid wall, gonna build a solid building, then walls need bricks that have cement, but the bricks need to be, uh, they need to have bonding. And the bonding is uh, in different forms. Their bricks are offset, so one row will be here, and then another row will be offset underneath. That's what's called bonding. Those bricks need to be bonded well together. There are lots of different forms of brick bonding. It's our worship of God that bonds us together. That somehow strengthens us. There's something in our togetherness as we worship God that bonds us and knits us together. Solidly united carries a sense of community. Our community, our church, our place as we gather together is, a, is where we find strength and refuge. It speaks of our devotion to God and our devotion to one another. A few weeks ago uh, I was speaking on Psalm 133 and and we saw that where God's people dwell together in harmony, their God commands a blessing. You see the biggest uh, hindrance to hope church flourishing is disunity. Jesus himself said in Matthew 12 that a house divided against itself must fall. It's why backbiting, moaning, complaining and criticism are so damaging. In James chapter 3, we're told that we shouldn't be cursing uh, people out of the same mouth that we worship God with. How do we speak about God? Do we worship him? How do we speak about other people? Do we speak positively? Do we speak warmly of them because we know that God loves them? Or do we complain and criticise? God doesn't want us to be like that. You see, genuine unity comes out of our heartfelt corporate worship. David says that God's people were a family of tribes. A family of tribes. The point is this, in the church it doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what our differences are. Worshipping Jesus knits us together. We are closely united. We are now, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, one new man in Christ. And so as we start to regather to worship God together, we will see his strength shown in our weakness. In verse 5 of Psalm 122, it goes on to say that where we gather to worship, there we're going to find justice. David talks about thrones of judgment. It's an unusual phrase and maybe difficult for us to understand. But what he's really saying, it's a place of decision. It's a a place where we get direction. That's another way that we could interpret it. So as we draw near to worship God together, as we come uh, to him corporately, God speaks to us. He gives us direction. He shows us the way we should go. He speaks to us about the way we should live. And he does that as we listen to God's word together, which we find in his word, the Bible. God speaks to us through the Bible. And as he does, he reveals to us, uh, how we should treat one another, how we should speak, how we should act. When we gather together, it's where we receive direction from God through His Holy Spirit. Eleven years ago, preaching here on this platform. We heard God speak to us, and as a result of that, as a church, we started our soup service on a Thursday night. Now, for the last 11 years, that soup service has been caring and showing the love of God to people on the streets of Winchester, Winchester, people who are uh, less fortunate than, than ourselves. And that work has blessed many people. It has demonstrated the love of God. That started as a result of us hearing God speak to us as a church together. And a number of people have faithfully served in that area over the years. Many people have heard God speak to them as we've corporately worshipped worshiped together. As we've listened to God's word unpacked together. And as we've prayed together. God speaks to us in our worship. There is strength in our togetherness. And out of our corporate worship, we will be those who pray for peace. In verses 6 to 9, it says this, Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls. It was H.G. Wells, the... Uh, the writer who once said, the time has come for me to reorganize my life. I cannot adjust my life to secure any fruitful peace. Here I am at 64, still seeking peace. It is a hopeless dream. You know, we all long for peace in our world. We long for it in our communities. We long for it so that tragedies, like the one that we heard about recently in Plymouth, that the things like that don't happen. We long for it in our families. We long for it in our own hearts that so often battle with turmoil. We've just uh, heard the phrase that God commands a blessing when we stand together in unity. What is that blessing? That blessing is the peace of God that comes and fills our hearts. You see, God's peace is more than the absence of conflict. In the Bible, the word peace peace the word the Hebrew word shalom means far more than that it it means a completeness it means soundness it means well-being and so when the Bible talks about peace it isn't just talking about us not rowing together but there's something about the peace of God that brings a harmony a completeness amongst us brings a strength amongst us And in this psalm, the words that the writer David uses for well-being and prosperity, they are a play on the word for peace. Peace runs right through this psalm. The Bible makes it clear that God is peace. Peace comes from the God of peace. And he promises peace to all who are in peace. Christ Jesus. You know, over the years, it's been my privilege to spend time with people who are going through all sorts of difficulties. It's been my privilege uh, to pray with them. Annie and I have often had the privilege of doing that. And we have watched many, many followers of Jesus who have experienced peace and the well-being of God in the most difficult of circumstances. I remember a moment where Annie and I were in a house where there, a household where uh, there was some potential bad news. And as we drew near to God and worshipped God together, and as we prayed, the peace of God came and filled the hearts of those there. Only a few weeks ago, I was with uh, Annie, and I were with a couple who were facing a uh, potential bad news, and yet the peace of God was clearly all over them and overwhelming them. That is something that we need more and more of in these days. How do we achieve that? How do we receive that peace? Well, first and foremost, it's about us finding peace with God. That's what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God only comes through Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus came to bring us peace with God. We were far from God. We were, the Bible says, enemies of God. And then God sent his son Jesus to bring peace, to deal with the issue of our sin, our rebellion, our living independently of God. And on the cross, Jesus took our punishment so that God could forgive us and that we might receive peace. We now have peace with God if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. It was God who initiated it. It was, the God, it was God who sent his son, Jesus. The God of peace sent his son, Jesus, who Isaiah says is the Prince of Peace. That can be our experience today. You can know God as your Father. You can know the peace of God guarding your heart and mind if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. This psalm encourages us to pray for peace. Peace amongst God's people, amongst us. Many think that the encouragement in this psalm to pray for the peace of Jerusalem simply means to pray for modern day Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Now, I want to say that's what Paul says he does in Romans chapter 10 verse 1. He says that he prays for his people, God's people. He prays for the people of Israel. And yet, this psalm is clearly uh, encouraging us to pray for God's people. And as we read the New Testament, God's people... The church includes believers of every background, every colour, every gender, every ethnicity, including Jews and non-Jews. God wants us to be a people who pray for peace. The devil loves it when the church is full of infighting. COVID has created the perfect conditions for disagreements, vaccinations, anti-vax, vaccination passports, everyone has a view on how the church should have responded to COVID. Everyone has a view on what the church should be doing in these next days. Instead of rounding on each other, this psalm encourages us to pray for peace in the church. May there be peace within your walls may there be peace among you my prayer is that there would be peace among us as hope church in these days paul says if it if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone this is our responsibility and we start by praying for peace well-being and prosperity for those around us as you read through Paul's letters, over 40 times we find Paul praying for people. Praying for the well-being of God's people, for God's people to complete, be complete in all who God has called them to be. We see Paul praying for, encouraging us to pray for those that we know in Thessalonians chapter 3. We need to pray for those around us in the church. When people are going through difficulties, we should be those who stand next to them and pray for them. When someone says to us, Uh, about circumstances that are difficult for them or battles that they're having or uh, anxieties that they're facing we should be those who pray for them in the moment God come and meet with this person may your spirit be on them may they know that you love them and that you're for them and you're not going to let them go we pray for those we know but we also pray for those that we've never met in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 Paul says this for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you we can pray for people we have never met people uh, maybe God puts on your heart something you maybe read about or someone tells you about a friend of theirs you can pray for them and God the living God in heaven hears your prayer your prayers make a difference We're to pray for those who are our enemies, Jesus says. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. When the boss gives you a hard time, the best thing you can do is get away, uh, find some space to be away and pray, God, bless that person. I know that what they said was but I want you to come and do them good meet with them, speak to them, break into their lives. May they know that you're the living God, that you sent your son for them. We're to pray for those, Paul says to Timothy, those in authority over us. The leaders of our country, the leaders uh, in our, of our councils, they need our prayers in these days. We're to be those who pray for them. And the, the reason for that is that we may live peaceful lives in these days. That's what Paul says. I want you to know that your prayers, my prayers, are powerful and effective. That's what we're told in James chapter 5, verse 16. Our prayers are powerful and effective. They make a difference. God in heaven hears and answers He's the God who pours out his peace into troubled situations. We need to be a people in these days who love corporate worship. We love meeting in twos and threes. God's been speaking to us about it over this last year. We mustn't stop doing that. But we must also be those who love to gather together again to worship him. There is strength in our togetherness there is something about being together bonded together corporate worship does something that knits our heart together in uh, the way that nothing else does and we are to be those who are marked by the shalom the peace of God the well-being of God amongst us and in us In the 19th century, some Bible college students went to hear C.H. Spurgeon preach. He was a great preacher. And as they got there, they were there a bit early and they were greeted by a man at the door. And this person said, well, there's a little bit of time before the meeting starts. Uh, I'd like to show you around. Would you like to see around? Would you like to see the heating plant of this church? And they didn't want to say no, so they uh, didn't want to offend him, so they said yes, and he said, well, come with me. And they followed him, and they followed him uh, down a corridor, down some stairs, and he opened the door, and then he whispered to them, shh, this is the heating plant. And as they looked inside, there were 700 people crying out to God for God to meet with people at the meeting that was about to start. The man who led them was C.H. Spurgeon himself. God wants us to be a people who know that there is power in prayer. In these coming days, God wants us to be a people who seek His face and pray for His peace amongst us, but a peace that breaks out, a well being that breaks out into the community around. I'm going to finish by reading. From, uh, from uh, Philippians chapter 4, this is what Paul says. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God wants us to be a people who know his peace, encounter him, and a people who live lives that demonstrate the goodness of God in these days. He wants us to be a people Bring the peace of God to a world desperately needing his peace let 's pray, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are with us, that you have not left us, and thank you that as we regather as we gather together to worship you, there you are in the midst, and Father, we believe that there is something powerful in our corporate worship and and father we want to stir one another again to draw near and worship you together we believe that there is strength in our togetherness there is something powerful as we gather together to worship you that is impactful for us and for our community father we want to be those who trust you to break out in the world around us, in the streets of Winchester and the areas around. We pray, Father, that your peace would come and guard our hearts and minds. But, Father, that peace, the well-being of God would break out of this place and impact many lives, that many would come to know that Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen.